8 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Jim and the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trust name in automobiles. It's Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. You can get a bottle of Talon Wine for just complaining. That's that's beautiful. And all it's something maybe from the world of sports that's bugging you. Maybe it's your daily life. You can send it to us today on the team line, 970-242-1340. It's that simple. And you win a bottle of Talon wine. Goes great. They have the perfect wine to pair with whatever you're making for uh, for dinner. So anyway, send it to us today on the team line, 970-242-1340. All right. Uh, normally we talk to him on a Tuesday, but uh, yesterday practice went long. Those things happen, especially when you're a little bit uh, different schedule than, than normally when, when school is in session. But uh, time to talk a little Maverick basketball right now with the head coach of the Maverick men's basketball team, Mike DeGeorge. Talking Colorado Mesa men's hoops with Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge on the team. All right, Mavericks right now remain undefeated. First place in the Armac after a weekend sweep at Chadron State, Colorado Christian. And with us right now, Mavericks coach Mike DeGeorge. Mike, appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Jim. Hey, congratulations on a, a very interesting weekend where you had to go to overtime at Chadron to, to get the victory there. You won it in pretty easy fashion at Colorado Christian. A little bit of both for your basketball team this past weekend. Yeah, there was a, there was just a lot going on. So we got off to a great start at Chadron, and then the game kind of turned before half, and they got kind of back in it, and... Um, you know, then it's just a real battle to the end, and we were very fortunate to survive it. And and but it was really a resilient effort by our guys to just keep battling and and finding a way to get it done. They really believe and and know they're going to find a way. And and ultimately, I think that was the the difference. And so, you know, and then the travel was really tough. It was like freezing cold. I think the when we got up Saturday morning, it was a 41 below wind chill, and so. You know, it's just a little scary traveling, and then, uh, you know, everything just took longer. And so we were late for our shoot around, and you know what I mean? I was really kind of worried would we get a good effort. And Christian was 7 and 1 at home. And, you know, it's again, again, speaks to the group of just how much, how tough they are mentally and physically to come out and make that kind of effort on the second day of a, after an open game the night before and a five hour drive and all that. So um, it was really an impressive weekend for the group. Yeah, no, no doubt, a, a great effort on, on on Saturday, considering all the the challenges, the overtime game, as you mentioned, the how difficult travel was as well. And with that Shadron State game, they're always tough at home. They had the third best scoring offense uh, uh, behind Fort Lewis, and of course your Mavericks. And so you knew that was going to be a real, you know, real big test for your basketball team going in there, Mike, and and trying to uh, to find a way to get past Shadron State on their home floor. Yeah, and their offense generates uh, around Vladimir, their little their point guard, who's undersized but really can score and is incredibly quick. And over the years, that's always been kind of challenging for, for our group, and uh, that's probably the one piece that we have the most difficult time with. So what they did well has also been something that is a challenge for us. And so it, it was a difficult matchup, and so it was a great, a great road win for us. Yeah, the win over the Eagles, Owen Kuntz, another uh, outstanding game, 22 points, Mac Rineker, uh, the double-double, 19 points, 11 rebounds, uh, 16 points for Trevor Baskin as well. But a guy that's uh, been very consistent, been a little bit under the radar, I think has been Christopher Speller. 11 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. You had 5 scores and double figures. So I think Christopher, the way he's 
been kind of fill up the stat sheet a little bit, uh, not you know, not having 25 or 30-point games or anything like that, Mike, but he's been a, doing a nice job of contributing uh, you know, in, in terms of getting on the glass defensively and also making that extra pass. Yeah, and he's all about winning. And so, you know, anything that impacts winning, he's he's willing to do. There are times where he almost defers too much, and he's not finding ways to be aggressive and be impactful on the game. And so that's something we've really been on him about is that, like, you know, you got to find your moments to make plays. And, you know, based on the indication, uh, you know, the stats that you just read off, he's doing a way better job of, of putting his imprint on the game with his effort on the glass. It's obviously, he's always been willing to distribute the ball. Uh, and by picking those moments, and he's a, he's an excellent defender. And then you go to the the game of Cutter to Christian, where you you went at eighty two to thirty eighty two to forty three. Trevor has sixteen points. Nobody else in double figures. But you look up and down the lineup. Mac Rineker has nine. Uh, Aiden Cool has six. Uh, Christopher Speller has eight points. Uh, uh, Mick McCurry has eight points. I mean, pretty much everybody that that everybody that played in that game actually. Uh, Ethan Menzies getting getting a bucket in that game as he continues to, to to come back from his knee injury. That everybody got on the stat sheet, and that that's uh, that's nice to see when everybody's able to go out and and provide some production. Yeah, it was uh you know it was, it was a it was a good night for us. Obviously, things kind of went our way, and um, and you know, but it's it, it really is an unselfish group, and we just moved the ball well and found the open man. And so you know, a lot of times when that happens, you're your stat sheet looks like that where you got a lot of distribution scoring and and it was cool that all 14 guys that we brought on the trip were able to, to score and it's great to see Ethan get his first bucket when he got back and then we had five fifth-year guys uh, that were that, that have actually never played in the game together because you know Ethan played early in his career and then was hurt and then some other guys have had some injuries and uh, you know Mac kind of uh, evolved into his second year there as a key uh, cog so that group has never really been on the floor together in a game. So it was kind of cool to get those guys out there for stretches uh, together. It was a neat uh, neat time to be able to do that. Mike DeGeorge, Maverick men's basketball coach, with us on the Team Sports Network. So you welcome in Black Hill State and South Dakota Mines this weekend, Mike, to, uh, to Brownson. Uh, Black Hill State currently uh, fifth in the conference at 5-3. and three. Uh, they, they have an overall record of 7-7. Seven and seven. Matthew Ragsdale continues to be uh, one of their best players. Of course, Joel Scott transferred to play at Colorado State, uh, all-conference player uh, in, in Joel Scott previously. But it is a team that that's really good on the defensive end, uh, currently fourth in the conference, uh, giving up just about uh, 71 points per game. So you face a really good defensive team on Friday night. Yeah, you know, they lost uh, not only Joel Scott, but two other players that transferred out to Division One, another one to Nova Southeastern, which is, you know, the top team in Division Two, um, And, um, you know, so and then they graduated several good players, too. So they really had to, to rebuild around uh, Ragsdale and try to put together, you know, and he's done a nice job of bringing in some freshmen that they can build with long term and some transfers uh, to kind of help them immediately. And, um, you know, they got up to a slow start, but they're incredibly well coached and uh, their pieces do fit well together and, and they're really playing at a high level now. So it'll be a big challenge for us. Hoku Fisher for them, second leading scorer. Ragsdale averages uh, 21 or over 21 per game. Fisher at 10 points per game. Uh, those two guys might give us a little scouting report on, on Ragsdale and Fisher and, and what they uh, what they bring to the floor. Well, when Ragsdale played at Western, he led the league in scoring, and you know they they ran a motion uh, offense where they got uh, 
you know, most of his shots came off the off the ball. They'd set screens for him, and he would he would catch and shoot everything. Now, you know, he's in more of a ball screen offense since he's been at Black Hills, and uh, he's really evolved his game to another level. So he's he's a good distributor out of the ball screens. He really generates most of their offense for them. Uh, and then uh, Hoko Fisher and Hearn are two quick guards that can both get their own shot. Uh, that are also capable of making plays. And then they have a bunch of bigs that are kind of still evolving. Some of them are really good at popping. Some of them are good at rolling to the basket off of the ball screens. And so, you know, they create challenges and stretch you out that way. And and I think, you know, they're just kind of finding their offensive groove now. They, they got off to, as I said, a slow start. And they've been solid defensively all year. But, you know, kind of finding roles and learning uh, how to play together has, uh, has taken a little bit of time. Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men's basketball team with us. Black Hills State on Friday night. Then it's South Dakota Mines uh, in on Saturday. They're 4-5. They're 6-9 four and, and nine on the season right now, Mike. And when you look at uh, you know some of their overall numbers in, in terms of what they've been able to do in the conference, uh, currently from a, a scoring standpoint, uh, uh, right now South Dakota Mines, they're 10th they're in the conference at about 72 points per game. Defensively, 9th in the conference at 73.4 points per game. So it's a you know, a, a South Dakota Mines team that, that, that comes in maybe a, 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 a tick better defensively than they are on the offensive end. Yeah, you know, sometimes I would I would disagree with the numbers on that one. I think they're really talented offensively. And, you know, that group has, uh, you know, at times that uh, challenges uh, defensively. Now, they're really well coached, so they understand how to position themselves and and uh, and make it hard on teams. So that's really a credit to their coaching. But they got a very talented offensive team, and they've, uh, two guards that can really score and then uh, both Black Hills and South Dakota Mines run the same offense and so you know both run it at a really high rate and it really stretch you out and, and create real challenges for your defense and you know they've had they've been in they've had some really tight games in some of those losses they could have a really good record and you know they won at Black Hills and they've got some good wins and um, you know so and they beat uh, what they I can't remember they got another good win and so uh, you know they've they, they really will play at a high level, and if they're making shots, they can really challenge you. And they got a couple of really good three-point shooters. They're also their top scorers, Cameron Cohen and Alejandro Rama. Both those guys have uh, been pretty good from uh, from three-point range this season, Mike. Yeah, Rama's kind of that undersized quick guard like uh, Latimer is from uh, Shadron, and, and you know he's really a problem to keep out of the pain, and he can really make shots, and so big challenge there and then the other guard is a, is a junior college transfer who's really come on i think he's maybe second in the league in scoring now and he's uh and he wasn't starting at the beginning of the year so he's had some big games and really putting up some big numbers for him and when he gets hot he's very difficult to start at the end of the black hills game i think he had three trees in a row to kind of win the game at the end so um yeah so it'll be a big challenge for us this weekend all right, so Friday night, Black Hill State on the team CMU Sports Network, presented by Ken Richards State Farm. Women's pregame at 5.15. The men will tip it at 7.30 Saturday because of the NFL playoffs. will move over to 1100 KNZZ, 92.7 FM. Same times with women's pregame at 5.15. The men at 7.30. Mike, always appreciate it. Thanks for coming on today. All right, thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. All right, take care. All right, uh, Mike DeGeorge, coach of the Maverick men. Uh also should mention um, that for the second straight year that that uh, Trevor Baskin on the Bevo Francis watch list to the top players in uh, non-Division one basketball. So uh, uh, And also Matt Grinecker named the RMAC Defensive Player of the Week again. So 
No big surprise there. As per usual. Last year, your your reigning RMAC Defensive Player of the Year from last season. All right, 8-12, Jim along with the Buckeye boy today. Text line, there's nothing to complain about today, Pyle? Nothing? You have nothing to complain about today. I find that surprising. Inactivity. Oh, here we go. We got a couple on it. There we go. Now it's. I had to refresh. Let's see. From Robert, you're too tough on your own team, Buckeye. The Browns finished 11 and six in the toughest division, which includes future Super Bowl and MVP winner. Um, Furthermore, the Browns made the playoffs with four different quarterbacks. Who's done that before? The Browns lost because of exhaustion, not fraud. Jeez, Buckeye, wise up. Why gave you a wise up? When they played upper crust quarterbacks, they they lost or struggled. And the only team in the National Football League to give up over 30 points a game on the road. They've given up more points in their last three games than all but one team in the NFL. They're outside the top 10 in most non-schematic stats, like tackling. Yards after the catch. Passing touchdowns allowed. For a good scoring defense, they allow an alarming amount of touchdowns. And when you're fighting a costly turnover battle with your own quarterback doling out touchdown passes like he's Oprah, there's a little bit of a fraudster there. You know your team. Yeah. You you know the pluses and minuses of this Browns team. And... Yeah, you can be the, the top-ranked defense, but still, kind of like what Mike was talking about, Mike mm-hmm. DeGeorge about South Dakota Mines. Yeah, they're a little bit better defensively. That number's deceiving. Maybe in the case of your Browns, like you said, some metrics there mm-hmm. that take a little bit of the shine off that, that top-ranked defense. I mean, you have a top-ranked defense that allowed 26 points to, I believe, Kenny Pickett, 38 points to the Colts, 29 points to Russell Wilson and the Broncos. If that is right, that might be their high watermark point scored on the season, it feels like. No, sorry. They scored 31 against the Bears. And then 33 against the Commanders, but close. And 36 to Matthew Stafford and the Rams. And then 27 to uh, Trevor Lawrence, who's not bad. They also turned him over four times. And then 31 points to Jake Browning. And the Bengals. So, I mean, it was not a great defensive effort at time. Sure, they shut out the Cardinals. That helps. They held the Titans to three points. The Bengals to three points without Joe Burrow. They didn't face Joe Burrow at all this year. You know, they faced Lamar Jackson, and they were one and one. And they faced Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph, and they were one and one. It's not like this team was out there it's not like the Eagles. They didn't jump out to 10 and 1 and you're like, "Oh, wow, this team's a yeah, like this, this team's rolling. This team this team mm-hmm. could could win a Super Bowl." They were 7 and 5 at one point and like, uh, "We got to call Joe Flacco. <laughs> we need some help here." Yeah. Uh Scott, our buddy Scott else. Oh, yeah. We took our grandkids over to the Mammoth Lacrosse game Saturday night and the Nuggets game on Sunday. Scott, I wish I would have known you were there. Mm-hmm. I was there with that game. He would have waved too. at you from this. <laughs> no, I I would have. But, but Scott would expect like, nothing else. Like, yeah. like a queen way? Elbow, like, elbow, wrist, wrist. <laughs> we left at 5 o'clock after the Nuggets game and got home at 4 in the morning. Yikes. Okay, it was that was pretty bad. 
probably worse than sitting in a parking lot at Copper Mountain for five hours. Uh, let's see, from Timbo, I'm going to whine about Steelers fans who whine about their coach. How is he supposed to win anything with Tiny Hands Trubisky and Mason freaking, freaking Rudolph? Can Broncos trade Peyton for Tomlin straight up? Um, no, because no. the Rooney's are just going to laugh and laugh. And like, laugh. No, 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 we're not going to do that. No, like, no, no. We have a coach that likes our players and our players like in return. Yes. We're good here. Thanks. Yeah, we're, we're good with our guy, Mike Tomlin. Yeah. All right, 817. Look what and, he did to a guy with a pedigree. Can you imagine what he would do to the uh, three quarterbacks in Pittsburgh? Hell, I. Oh, no kidding. For a guy that's a future Hall of Famer, and yeah. then he goes there where it's Mason Rudolph and Mitch mm-hmm. and Kenny Pickett. Yikes. Two Super Bowl appearances. Look what he did to that guy. All right, it's time to go around the NFL. Yeah! The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. Okay. ESPN's Jeremy Fowler has a report that the Minnesota Vikings could be the next destination for Russell Wilson if he's released by the Broncos, where there's now debate about whether or not Russ will be leaving Denver, which I still think is probably going to happen, but who knows? Anyway... ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler reported that uh, the Vikings and Wilson could have a mutual interest if Kirk Cousins goes elsewhere. Remember, Cousins will be a free agent. And so he said, don't be surprised if Wilson, should he become a free agent, is intrigued by Minnesota, assuming Kirk Cousins doesn't resign with the Vikings. This is one of my favorite times of year because this report is it could be anybody and any team. Absolutely. If Team X drops their quarterback, Team Y or quarterback Y could, could be have interested an interest in Team X. Well, yeah, it's more about yeah, it's more about Fowler saying that Russ would have an interest there yeah. than the other way around. Well, because they're known to be giving quarterbacks that haven't won anything guaranteed money. I would also be interested <laughs> I mean, what, in Russ. Sign me shoes. up for that, please. Yeah. I'm looking for a job. Sign me up for like that. $95 million over three years, and I don't have to actually win anything? Perfect. Uh, Fowler also mentioned the Bucks, which I'm thinking they like Mayfield. Mayfield likes them. The Atlanta Falcons has popped up as well. Mentioned the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin's affinity for for guys from what the Northern Virginia area, Yeah, which that would be Russ. And the Patriots. So we'll pretty much anybody right now yeah. that there's debate about the quarterback, Russ is going to be the next guy there. And I think Mayfield's staying in Tampa. I can't. I think he, that seemed, particularly with the win on mm-hmm. Monday night, that seems to be pretty they good. They go scrap fit. it up with the Lions. He might, yeah, he might be in for a long-term deal there. He threw for over 4,000 yards this year. Mm-hmm. Which, because you watch him and you're going, I mean, he's okay, but he's not. That's that's a pretty good number to reach. Yeah. For any quarterback for, in the league. I, absolutely, for any quarterback, for Baker Mayfield especially. You know, he wasn't 100% healthy this year. He played all 17 games, but he's always, he's got, I know this is going to drive people up the wall. He's got a little bit of that Elway to where he just looks like he's uncomfortable walking. Like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh. Oh. So, but he also went out and threw, like you said, 4,000 yards, 28 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. You know, 
those are pretty decent numbers if they get him a little bit of a defense to work with. I think they'll be just fine. There are two guys in Bucks franchise history to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns in, the, in one playoff game. Tom Brady's one, Baker Mayfield's the other. Yeah. Seven rings. I mean, Brad Johnson didn't no, do that? Not at all. I would still take Baker Mayfield over any of the quarterbacks we have in Cleveland right now. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Because the reason he fell off is because he hurt his throwing shoulder, which and, I've heard in my, my very limited knowledge of football is very important. And it's the case for the Browns jump the gun. They got antsy. Oh, yeah. And all his damaged goods now. Mm-hmm. And so, well, we're just going to move on. That's why I mean Jimmy Haslam cannot be this stupid on accident. Also, there was the report that Jason Kelsey of the Eagles had told his teammates that he was retiring. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not just yet. Not so fast, my friend, because of the new Heights podcast, which he co-hosts with his brother, Travis, that uh, Jason Kelsey said he was not ready to make a formal retirement announcement. He said, I didn't announce what I was doing on purpose, despite, I guess, what's been leaked to the media. But I think there's a lot of people can kind of feel body language and stuff. I just don't think you're in a position after a game like that to really make that decision. I just don't. I think there's too much emotion in the moment. There's too much going down in the moment to really grasp that decision. I'm not trying to be dramatic and continue to draw this thing out. I'm really not. It's just something that I think about that it's time to, when it's time to officially announce what's happening in the future, it'll be done in a way that's definitive and pays respect to a lot of people and individuals that have meant a lot to me. So I can see that. Yeah. So it sounds like he's going to retire, but, but he's he just, wants to think it over. A he wants bit. to fully yeah, dissect it, go through it and make sure it's really what he wants to do. And I totally get that because, yeah, any like this is not even the same level, but there are times where like two months from now is our national and I get done and I'm like, I don't ever want to do this again. Right. <laughs> like this sucked. I don't ever want to come like back. This is stupid. You heard what I he, suck. You heard what he yells every time they do the tush push. Yeah. Bleep my life. Yeah, that Yeah. That says something, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it, does. it does. So yeah, I get it. How in the moment you could tell all the guys in the locker room, you're like, man, I'm done. I'm tired of this. We just got our butts kicked by Baker Mayfield in Tampa. And we're supposed to be better than this. And I don't know what's going on here. This sucks. I'm out. And then two days later, you can be like, I yeah, probably, but I don't know. Also, news about your Browns. It's been a very Browns-heavy morning Yay. so far. Alex Van Pelt, your uh, OC. Gone, by the way. Um, also, seven fans at the Chiefs game taken to the hospital for hypothermia and uh, three for frostbite. Yeah, I, I can believe that. Was okay, one of them Andy Reid's mustache. <laughs> While there's something about the nostalgia of the Ice Bowl, mm-hmm. Green Bay, Dallas, as Kramer Black Massive Jethro Pugh allowing Bart Starr to find the end zone and all that, and you know, 13 degrees below in Green Bay, it's what five below in Kansas City. Is that the best way to go for the NFL to play a game under those conditions? Not great for the players. Not not great for the fans. Obviously, when you're when you're outdoors, and they're facing a difficult situation in mm-hmm. Buffalo coming up. 
because there's more shocking, more bad weather on the way for Buffalo. Yeah. I, I don't want everybody playing in a dome. I don't want that. Not everybody can afford to do that or afford for taxpayers to be willing to, to shell out for that. I mean, it's a bad look when you have guys like Carl Mecklenburg ranting against the moving of the Buffalo game. To that old school, well, they just need to play it, yeah. and doesn't matter, it's football. This is straight from his Facebook, which is verified. Bill Steelers game is postponed until Monday due to weather conditions. What is this, baseball? It, come on, man. Yeah, come, come on, Carl. That's not even the game where, you know, people got hypothermia and frostbite. No, that, that would have been the Chiefs game on Which Saturday night. I, I, I just think that there, there has to be more thought about, mm-hmm. like with that game, playing that game Saturday yeah. night. I know there are people who are complaining about it, and, and understandably so. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the rest of the post is great, too. I remember playing a regular season game in KC when it was 30 below with 40 below windshield. It was just another day at Metropolitan Stadium, the old outdoor Viking stadium. Bud Grant would be wearing short sleeves. I don't usually use Facebook to rant, but I just signed up for Peacock so I can watch the playoff game between KC and Miami. It's going to be cold there too, but apparently Peacock doesn't care. What is what? What exactly are you trying to say? Like, they should take that into account when it's a streaming only game and or, not when well, yeah, know, I'm, I'm confused on what he's the snow and everything yeah. else puts people's lives in danger just getting to the game yeah it's so carl it's one thing if you're willing to go out and play in the, that those conditions okay fine i i, I get yeah. that that's that's fine if you're used to that you do that fine this is more about the fans that went there mm-hmm. and and suffered from frostbite yeah and so, why well, you need to be better prepared? Well, at some point, you can only put on so much clothing mm-hmm. to... It's not like you can bring your space heater to sit at, you know, at your seat. Yeah. Everybody can bring their own personal space heater. I, I agree with that. And also, on the other side, it takes me back to a conversation I had with my wife as we were talking, watching that game. She said, would you go watch your team if the weather was like this? I said, absolutely not. Not just because I don't like being in weather like that, but also there's the chance that they're going to lose anyway. <laughs> NFL security did not go That's pick so people up for you. and force them into their seats, too, right? There's a part of that that I don't people think... People make a decision, and it's their, know, it's their choice. and Like, they didn't leave for the stadium at 45 degrees and get there, and it was below zero. And it was all of a sudden they were trapped there, and they, yeah. they trapped like, an arrowhead. We can't leave, and there's people guarding the exits. Like, no, you paid to be here. Like You will sit there in that up. seat, yes. You know, if they're if they go play a playoff game at ten below and there's eighty five hundred people in the seats instead of seventy thousand, then the NFL might be like, uh, this was probably not a good idea. But the house is full. You know, the NFL at that point, they're not gonna move it because they have no motivation to. Absolutely. I, I just I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the but there's certainly for fans, I mean this is mm-hmm. You like you're right. People make a choice. Yeah, there's part of it that's they, personal they, responsibility too. And you and you know what the weather's going to be. Mm-hmm. There was no there was no doubt what the temperatures were going to be, below zero, yeah. extremely cold, and you know what to expect. I, I just I just think that there's, but you also have to try to figure out a way 
where it's the best for fans to go. Mm-hmm. It's already cost a lot of money, more money than it should to go watch an NFL game. I would like to spend my money on a playoff game and be able to, to go and watch it in, you know, in some some opportunity where I'm not going to have the potential of frostbite or hypothermia yeah. be the thing that, that I have to, to contend with. I said, I don't have an answer, don't have a plan. Just know that eh, that wasn't probably the, just know the best way to go. For me, I, I if I'm going to get frostbite and hypothermia either way and there's a chance my teams might lose and their season is over, I'm just going to stay home. Yeah. Because my home's cold, but it's not, you know, 50 below or 50 above. It's 64. It's comfortable. It's a very... It's a yeah, with your own bathroom right there. Yeah, and you don't but have I to throw even... a blanket on and I'm great. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't have to worry about am I going to survive watching this game? Yeah, exactly. Uh other quick notes from around the NFL this morning. Uh Eagles coach Nick Sirianni is going to meet with owner Jeffrey Lurie today. Imagine there'll be some significant changes when it comes to the coaching staff. Does he get Doug Peterson today? I don't think so. Remember, they went into that meeting pretty yeah. solid. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Nick Sirianni is the new head. I, I think it's going to be you. There's there are heads that need to roll here. Massive staff changes, mm-hmm. I think, is what we're probably looking at there. How many times can Matt Patricia get fired? Well, we're going to find out. If we're going to find out today, probably. Also, uh, Seahawks general manager John Schneider said that uh, he's going. To, they're going to interview uh, Mike Kafka, the Giants' offensive coordinator to be uh, the replacement for Pete Carroll. So uh, that's part of it. Also, uh, Deion Sanders step away. NFL tangential because of Deion being a Hall of Famer. That, uh, according to Mike Florio, Warren Sapp will join the University of Colorado Buffalo's coaching staff unless he won't. Deion Sanders has said that Sapp will become a member of Coach Prime staff. The school, though, says otherwise. There have been no conversations about hiring Warren Sapp for an assistant coach position at CU. This is CU Boulder spokesperson Steve Hurlbert uh, telling USA Today. Hurlbert was asked if there were discussions about hiring Sapp for any role at the school. Not at this time. Sanders told Rich Eisen last month that Sapp would be joining the program. He has so much to give, man, and I can't wait to see him on a daily basis. And apparently Eisen, which you can catch weekday afternoons, 4 o'clock here on the team, Kind of put Coach Prime, you know, pressed him a little bit on it. And Sanders said, it better happen. So, apparently somebody at the University of Colorado has some issues with the history of Warren Sapp. Can't imagine why. History of criminal charges, civil lawsuit for sexual harassment, arrested for assaulting a prostitute in Arizona back in 2015, got fired by the NFL Network because of it, that... Colorado will will give Coach Prime a lot of leeway, but mm-hmm. this but Warren Sapp might be just a bridge too far for the Buffaloes. Yeah, because there's one thing on Warren Sapp's list that CU and the football program specifically is not unfamiliar with. That's probably not a guy you want as an assistant when you're trying to still escape that a little bit. Absolutely, we're we're, we're a little you know years removed from it, but still. It's still there. It's still there, though. It still has never entirely gone away. All right, 832. It is a Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Something you want to get off your chest today. Send it to us on the team line. 
That's 970-242-1340. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. I'm the morning guy. I have a Facebook group, 16 members. Some call it a fan page. I don't know. Oh, hell yeah. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. Jim along with the Buckeye boy. It's Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Connor McGahee, radio voice of the Avalanche coming up. Uh, last night we had a very busy night of high school basketball. Full court coverage, Highway 50 game of the week. We'll start with the girls from last night. Uh, you had Central hosting Battle Mountain. Fruita Monument was at Palisade last night. And Glenwood Springs was at uh, Montrose. And last night the uh, Central girls basketball team, they defeated uh, Battle Mount last night, 54-25. to Christina Manzanera's 1,000 points in her Warrior career with 18 points in the win last night after the game. Uh, Buckeye Boy had the chance to talk with Mary Doan about the victory over the Huskies. And first off, Mary, uh, we'll talk about the 1,000-point milestone for Christina Manzanares. I know she hit it uh, the other night. She added to it uh, tonight with, I believe, close to 18 points. Just talk about kind of what she's brought to this program, a four-year starter along with Bryn Wagner. Um, you know, her and Bryn have been just irreplaceable. They're, just, they're good humans from the, from the beginning. Uh, they're very coachable. Uh, they just, they're good teammates. Um, you know, a lot of times when you have a great player, sometimes uh, they're hard to coach or they're not a great teammate. And Christina and Brynn have been that from day one. Um, I think a little bit of that comes from the seniors they had uh, their freshman year who just who accepted them right off the bat and treated them so well. And they've just done that every year. And so it's, it's just been a pleasure to coach uh, both Christina and Brynn. All right, so that's Mary Doan after the Central girls won against Battle Mount last night. Central boys were also victorious last night, taking down Battle Mount last night, uh, 71-37 to behind 15 points from Cam Redding. And uh, Buckeye had the chance to talk with John Sedanich after the Warrior boys completed the sweep last night of Battle Mountain. John Sedanich, seventh win of the season, uh, tied your high water mark for points with 71 uh, it's a 1-11 basketball team in Battle Mountain, but they have some good players. Skidmore's a really good player. Madero at times, you guys were able to really kind of force them into a lot of early turnovers and put them in a big hole. Yeah, those kids, you know, they 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 play really hard. You wouldn't know, the, you wouldn't know from their record. Um, I watched them play Durango on Saturday, and they were down 21 in the fourth, and they cut it to six, and... So we knew that if they hit some threes early, they could get some confidence and roll with that from their previous game. But our kids um, really played hard, I thought, defensively and set the tone early. All right, that's John Sedanich after the Central Boys victory last night. Uh, both Fruit of Monument teams were at Palisade last night. And for the uh, Fruit of Monument girls, they were victorious last night at Palisade 60-41. to Olivia Campbell had 30 points. Addison Air had 17 for the Wildcats in the victory. And uh, after the game, uh, Tyler Franson had the chance to talk with Wildcats coach Jeff Johnson. We're here with Jeff Johnson, the head coach of the Fruit of Monument girls basketball team, getting a big win tonight, 60-41 to over Palisade, a team that your guys are going to see next year in uh, league play. But let's talk about this game tonight. A big, big night for you from Olivia Campbell. 26 points for her. She did an outstanding job tonight. Yeah, great job. Uh, she's kind of been in the, that shooting funk where some shots didn't drop um, earlier in the season, and it kind of felt like that in the first half, but then she got it on a roll, and I, 
I think she probably hit four in a row at, at the three-point line. And then you also had a pretty good production from Addison Ayer. Normally, your leading scorer. It's got to be really nice for you as a coach having that one-two punch of Ayer and Liv Campbell. Yeah, uh, who are you going to take away? It's hard to take away two players, um, and they're both capable of putting up 20, 30 points in a game. Um, so it, it's a privilege to have them both. This is a- All right, so that's uh, Jeff Johnson, Fruit Monument girls coach. The guy that used to coach the Bruno Monument girls, Michael Wells, now the boys coach of the Wildcats. Uh, he has Fruta at 14-0. Tough game last night, though. Uh, they beat Palisade 47-40. Max Orchard had 15 points after the game. Tyler Franson caught up with the coach of the Wildcat boys, Michael Wells. Joining us right now, courtside, Michael Wells, the head coach of the Fruta boys. A uh, win, but uh, I... I got a, I got a feeling there were some things you probably wanted to do better out there. Left some things out on the floor, even though you got the win, 45-40. I think it was one of those games where it could have gone either way at the end. Well, certainly, and you know I want to give credit to Palisade for how they played, and and give credit to our guys for toughing one out. But we didn't make anything. I mean, we didn't make a shot. And I've been telling them for weeks now, um, there's going to be a game like that at some point where you don't shoot well. It's probably going to come on the road. And you got to do the other things. And you know, I think our focus was was poor. Probably looking ahead to Friday night, and uh, you know, Palisade came out and, and punched us in the face. And you know, fortunately, we responded late. All right, that's Michael Wells, Fruit of Monument, uh, boys basketball coach. Uh, some other scores from last night. Back to the girls. Maggie Leg had 15 points. Montrose beat Glenwood Springs 49 to 21. And the Delta girls they uh, won at Rifle 61 to 10. They're three and zero. In the 4A Western Slope League, Montrose boys last night upset by Glenwood Springs, 57-44. Caleb Ferguson scored 22 points in that one. And uh, the Delta boys last night, they were also in action. They played rifle. They lost 66-50. to All right, uh, coming up next, Connor McGahee, radio voice of the Avalanche, will join us. Avs coming up with a win at Ottawa last night. That's on the way on the Team Sports Network. I'm a big sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the Team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose. Talking avalanche hockey with the voice of the Avs, Connor McGahey on the Team. And with us right now on the Team line, Connor McGahey. Good morning, Connor. How are you? Doing fine. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Survived the the trip back from Denver. Five hours at uh, Copper Mountain on Monday. Not uh, not skiing or snowboarding, mind you. Sitting in the parking lot. But uh, otherwise, I'm I'm good. It was uh, yeah, a fun little uh, typical Colorado uh, driving excursion. I said the on so, Monday coming back home. So it's the coldest and some of the best snow we've gotten all year. And you decide to venture out into the mountains. Well, uh, we went to the affiliate uh, game over on uh, Sunday for the Nuggets. And I got to see where oh, we Yeah, so I that see. was the reason why we were we were motivated by mm-hmm. by going over and uh, seeing some well, of that's bad timing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was not the best time in the world. Like I've I've driven in lots of bad weather. That was that was among the worst I've I've been in in quite some time. But uh got to see where you do your your work over at Ball Arena. Kevin uh the the PD of uh, Altitude, Kevin Shockey gave us a little tour as he was uh singing your praises quite a bit by the way, Connor. Oh, so he lied to your face. That's not very nice. <laughs> no, he was. No, he was. I, Kevin comes off as a very truthful human being. He, well, he, he he's a Philly guy, and um, one thing we know about people from Philadelphia, they'll always tell you what they think, and that's 
That's a good thing. No, Chalky's been uh, a great, uh, great addition to the team. I'm glad you got to meet him. Yeah, super good guy. Really, and really enjoyed getting to meet him. But you uh, got to see the con coop. Yes, yes, I did. You got, see the, you, got see the, you got to see the con coop up there. At, uh, yeah, the top did you see my Warren. sardine can atop the International Space Station up there? <laughs> yes, I did. I got to enjoy to, getting to check out the view up there. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a good time. We, I just appreciate Kevin giving us the, the, the tour of it. Well, last night, the, the Avalanche, uh, four unanswered goals. They trailed 4-3 to three going to the third. They get the win at Ottawa last night. Uh, Miko ran in a pair of goals. But uh, Sam Alinsky continues to... To, to pay off handsomely for the Avalanche, a power play goal uh, that gave Colorado the lead. And so uh, uh, last night, Miles Wood had the, the, the goal that tied the game up. So for the Avalanche, a big third period. On a night where Jared Bednar said, look, our, our, our big guys, at the exception of Randon, were kind of tired back-to-back nights and kind of expected that uh, from the Avalanche and a, and a great way to, to power through with the win last night. Yeah, and, and Bednar said it. He goes, it's my fault because I played everybody almost a half hour the night before in Montreal. And so even with some of the most finely tuned athletes on the planet, um, it is hard to replicate that on, on back-to-back nights in those kind of minutes. Um, I, again, the sweet spot for the McKinnons and Ranton is probably 24 to 25 minutes. And uh, just with, with how many forwards we've been down, that has been the case when we win hockey games. So last night there really wasn't a choice, but for... Uh, everybody else to step up, and they did. I mean, you mentioned Sam Malinsky, who really scored twice, and one of them getting called back on the Jonathan Drouin offside. Um, but Jason Poland gets his first career NHL goal. Miles Wood uh, coming back from illness. Looks like he was shot out of a cannon last night. Um, he ties the game up in the third period, and for the second time in three nights, in, in three games and four nights on the road, the Avalanche... Uh, score five unanswered goals to win a hockey game, which which is super impressive. And they, they did it in different ways and with different guys. I mean, Congliano ties it up uh, in Toronto um, to open up the road trip, and that set the table for a Nathan McKinnon game winner. Um, Malinsky gets his first career game-winning goal uh, last night uh, in in that goal fest, which we thought it might be. And, uh, and I really like the fact that you had basically lines two, three, four, defensive pairings, you know, two and three contributing in a big way. And, and the goaltender as well, Eustace Onaman, getting the call up, getting the start. Georgiev completely gets the night off. And probably one goal that he didn't like, but I, th- I think other than that, Onaman was, was outstanding. And, um, and the Avalanche, uh, for the sixth straight game, put five or more on the Ottawa Senators. So, um, uh, a good night in the end. That was radio voice Connor McGahee with us. Had the call last night. The Avalanche uh, winning at Ottawa seven to four. Eustace Onan, and as you mentioned, he made his first start of the season. He he had thirty six saves last night uh, for the twenty three year old Finn. And uh, I know Jared Bednar had uh, had quite a bit of praise for him after the game. I, I guess for the Avalanche, still trying to find that that guy behind Alexander Georgiev to to give him breaks like that. Probably too soon to say Ananen would be in that conversation. Give us your your takeaway on 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 Eustace Ananen and what that might mean for the Avalanche moving forward. Oh, it, it's it's a good question because I don't know if that internally, externally, as you know, we get towards the March, I believe, fifth trade deadline. Um, I mean, obviously, this the the talking point amongst national writers and, and reporters is that. 
is that the Avalanche do need a 1B because of the minutes and games and, and starts that Georgiev has. And, and, and my counter to that is always, well, Georgiev wants to play. I mean, it, it's like, it, it's like you, Patrick Wall wanted the net. And for me, I like a goalie that wants the net that wants to be in there. Um, but again, there can be a fatigue factor. I think we saw that a little bit in Montreal for Alexander Georgiev. It's just not as sharp uh, as he has been lately. And, and, and obviously, obviously, he's the third star of the week in the National Hockey League. And so, um, but again, you do need that, the 1B situation. Again, the Colorado had in 21-22 uh, with Pavel Francouz. After Darcy Kemper gets hurt in the playoffs. Francis comes in and goes undefeated and wins six games, and the Avalanche don't win a Stanley Cup without Pavel Francis. Um, so I don't know if that answer is uh, outside of the organization. It very well may be, as there will be uh, more teams willing to part with goaltenders as we get uh, closer and closer to the beginning of March. So, But for the moment, I think that uh, you're just in – in repair mode because you know you're going to be in the playoffs. You know um, that you're going to be competing for the division and you're just doing things that keep you cap compliant and and uh, and wait for the opportune moment to, if, if, if that arises to, to make a move of some kind. So uh, it's always good to have options and right now Eustace Ananen is one of those options for the ads. Habs Radio Voice, Connor McGahee with us today on the Team Sports Network. And uh, one of the other, th- this big story of the week, uh, Ford Valari Nachushkin entering the NHL, NHLPA assistance program. Sammy Gerard did that previously to deal with some personal issues. He's been, uh, Nachushkin, uh, Connor, has been one of the, the hottest goal scorers in the league. Certainly has uh, been right there with Nathan McKinnon in terms of uh, scoring goals for the Avalanche. I think uh, Jared Bednar was asked, how do you replace that production? And, and he said, you just don't. Uh, I guess this, I mean, that's as hot as Nachushkin's been. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, the, the issues that he has to deal with, uh, we'll, he'll be able to address those as he goes through the assistance program. But uh, that's a big loss for the Avalanche right now. Yeah, it is. And uh, what I do like, though, is that everybody <clears throat> is, and this is team, this is staff, this is people, everybody is, of the mindset that you get the the human being part right first. Sure. And then ho- hockey comes second. And I think we all forget that in our business way too much, yours truly included, is that um, while hockey is our life, it is not life. And Val Nachushkin, you know, has a wife at home. He's got a brand-new daughter. And, and getting right for them is, is frankly, the, the priority. And then... And then secondarily, once that's fixed, he can come back on the ice and be one of the best power forwards in the National Hockey League. So, again, kind of like we were talking about with the goaltending situation, you just have to make a patchwork. And and I always think that when you have a big guy out, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's Kale McCarr. It doesn't matter if it's Gabe Landeskog, Valman Chushkin. Good teams find a way to have everybody else step up. And, they, and again, last night is a, is a good example of that, and, and that's what Colorado, as Andrew Cogliano told us post-game the other night, they said, tonight we showed uh, what we are about. We're about winning. And I think they're, you know, find a way was the theme in the cup year, and that has never really gone away from, from this squad. They find a way to, 
win hockey games, win divisions, and, and fill in holes. Uh, but they also find a way to be friends and, and teammates and keep that a family. And that, that's what uh, I like most about this Avalanche team, I think. <clears throat> right, so the, the Avalanche at Boston tomorrow, of course, a rematch of that uh, that great uh, game that they had uh, previously at Denver. So one final thing before I let you go, Connor. Uh, what's the what's the feeling about Mosier after he left his passport? Uh, because I I imagine there I I I imagine there were some Avalanche players that uh, want to give Mosier a little bit of grief. Say so we're sitting here on the tarmac waiting because you forgot your passport. Do you not realize we're going to a foreign country where you're going to need that? I imagine he caught some grief from some people. Here's the thing. Fortunately, the plane was not late. Like it was, we 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 pulled away on time. Oh, that's and good. So, which is good. Now, Bednar said this morning, given given uh, Moj a little bit of grief, and said, you know, like Moj is part of the team, and I would have liked to have thought that we would have waited if, you know, because if if Nathan McKinnon forgets his passport, you know, you're not going to leave him behind. And he, so he said, I think we'd wait for Moj. That doesn't free you up from. Uh, from getting grief, but Mosier said in 27 years of working in and around the National Hockey League, he's never forgot his passport, <laughs> and this uh, and this was the first time. But my my, I just laughed that Riker jumped at the opportunity right away. He goes, "I got I got to text Vic, I got to text Vic Lombardi on the morning show <laughs> that Mosier forgot." And honestly, it was they just had an absolute blast with it. Bednar said, I was two seconds away from calling it from the plane to the morning show while this was all going on. It was one of my favorite segments of radio I've ever heard. (laughs) Ever. And then Brett voiced the tease that actually made it onto the pregame show the other night. Oh my goodness. We are... We just... We are a bunch of idiots, but we have so much fun doing it. And, uh... Moj, I will give him credit. He wore it. He yeah. wore it, and uh, and he'll, he's just going to have to wear it till till uh, till everyone forgets about it. But uh, but it was. I don't. I, I was just laughing like a hyena the whole time. You'd have to be. You'd have to be laughing about that. And I'm going to pile yeah. on here because I, I probably told you the story about the time Moj came over here, uh, brought it, brought his simply daughter over here. Um, yeah, but. Uh, to I think his dinosaur journey or the, the dinosaur museum we have. He left his credit card at the hotel, and he calls me up. He's like, "Jimmy, it's Moj. Can you go out to the ho- can you go out to the hotel and FedEx me my credit card?" Oh my goodness! So I had to go to the hotel and get Mark's credit card <laughs> and take it to a take it to a FedEx box and send him his credit card because he forgot it. Oh my goodness! I. I'm so glad you told me this. This is this is going to be brought up with your permission. Oh, absolutely, you have please to do this. feel okay. You have my complete permission to you bring must. that up. You now. must. Be, you know what? I don't. You don't have my permission. I insist that you bring it up. I will. Oh my! This 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 will make it. This is going to make it into into the group uh, in the next okay. 24 hours, and I okay. can't wait to be like, wait a second. This is. This is not an isolated incident. <laughs> no, no. I mean, he was over here for pleasure to bring his daughter over here, but but still, he forgot his credit card. Oh, that is great, fantastic. Yeah. And then you bailed him out. I was glad to do it. Yeah, I know. Glad to help him out, man. I mean, we didn't hold the plane or anything. But... No, yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we just, <laughs> I just had to go out to Horizon Drive and go to a FedEx box. It wasn't. It wasn't that oh, big of a deal. That's so good. Hey, Connor, so good. and have a great call tomorrow night. I always appreciate catching up with you, buddy.